2: In this town, there is no off season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. Hi, everybody. I'm Andy Baskin, alongside Daryl Ryder, a Browns beat reporter at 92.3 The Fan. Uh, we are excited to, to bring you another edition of kind of the behind the scenes stuff on what's going on. Not only uh, with stuff that we talk about at the station, but stuff what's going on in Berea as well, and obviously the hot topic this week has been Deshaun Watson again. Now we always want to remind you that if you like what you're listening to, uh, why don't you remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed, and you can always join in the conversation at Game Day C L E. And that's where you can reach us. All right, Daryl, let's uh, kind of jump into the Deshaun Watson stuff quickly here because there was the HBO special this week. There was a lot of ballyhoo about this thing going into it. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about the actual show itself and the presentation that we saw. Um, and we did see some some compelling stuff, especially from um, – the you know the accusers and I, I thought that was interesting but there's was just some stuff about the story that it just it wasn't about the content of the story it was about the way the content was put together and, and so I had some issues with that but Daryl let's start with you what did you think of the HBO uh, special with uh, Soledad O'Brien who did this who did the piece
0: honestly I learned nothing new because they had released the m- most compelling cuts before it even aired so it wasn't new information. Certainly it's different watching uh, the accusers tell their story versus reading their accounts. So uh, that was obviously a, a little different and you certainly respect their willingness to do that on camera. I'm sure that that was not an easy thing for them to do. But as far as new information, there wasn't new information in that piece. We knew everything uh, that was pretty much going to be said going into it. And uh, we, uh, a lot of what was recounted uh, was part of the court filings uh, as well. But again, different reading about it versus actually hearing the accusers uh, lay out uh, their experiences. All
2: right. Within the piece, uh I I just I I was uh, I don't know I was it was interesting to hear some of the stuff that we had read actually be said by someone who was in the suit and by someone who wanted to talk and and both of the uh, uh, the women that were in the piece I th- I thought were I, like I kept asking myself why would they lie why would they lie I keep asking myself that over and over and it makes for interesting uh, like trying to figure out what the deal is, I, I, I'll say this and, and I just, I kind of want to go outside of the, outside of what like the, the what this is all really about. I, I was kind of like I watched that piece and I, I don't have a whole lot of respect for lawyers. I don't know what's coming out of their mouths. I, I don't know if they, if they're if lawyers are telling the truth or just trying to spin the story because we know court of public opinion is where this is at right now because there were no two no bills. There were two no non indictments of Deshaun Watson. So that that eliminated the criminal part of this whole story. So now you come back to the civil part of the story where we have these 222 cases that are sitting there, and you're, you're trying to figure out what's going to be next and what does that mean for the NFL. I, I, I think in the big picture of this, if you're the NFL and the only piece of evidence you actually had was that HBO thing, which is not, you would say, okay, this story is, is, is a damaging story to the NFL, whether it's truthful or not. And the hard part is getting around the fact that there are 22 people in this lawsuit that are saying, look, uh, you know, I, I was done wrong by Deshaun Watson. And so when, when I watch this, Daryl, and I'm just, I'm curious, I mean, a- alone, I don't know how the NFL uh, doesn't suspend Shishon, uh, Deshaun Watson on this because they don't have to prove anything. If the NFL doesn't like what's being said about the NFL or someone puts the NFL in a bad light, that's violation of the conduct policy, and that's why I'm I'm interested to see what happens with Deshaun Watson as far as the suspension. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I look. I I, th- I think you're right that uh, the NFL is going to suspend Deshaun Watson if for anything, just because uh, the accusations reflect poorly on the NFL, and uh, this story is going to remain. In the headlines, at least for another year, uh, until these cases go through civil court and are uh, resolved. Um, uh, we had both of the lawyers on the station uh, this week on the uh, the afternoon show, uh, both Busby as well as Harden, to uh, tell their side of the story. You're right, uh, it, you know, but the, it is the lawyer's job to advocate on. Uh, behalf of their client, uh, Rusty Harden, on behalf of Deshaun Watson, and then, of course, Busby on behalf uh, of these 22 uh, accusers. And I, I think that both lawyers are doing a good job in the court of public opinion advocating for their client. That is uh, their uh, job uh, to uh, elicit justice on behalf of their client. From Harden's perspective, Uh, His client, who is Deshaun Watson, did nothing criminal, did nothing wrong um, and uh, asserts his innocence. Right. And so that is what uh, Harden's message was uh, this week. Uh, Busby uh, has these 22 women who are alleging the this uh, grotesque sexual misconduct by Watson, uh, allegedly, in these uh, massage therapy sessions. And so uh, because the criminal court system is not available to these women, uh, as you mentioned, two grand juries have come back with no bills. They chose not to indict. There just wasn't enough there uh, to do that in their view. So the only avenue remaining is through the civil court uh, to get justice on behalf of his clients. So we heard from both of them this week. Uh, as uh, both sides tried to shape uh, the court uh, of public opinion. And, and I've got to be honest with you, um, with respect to both of them, I don't think either one has changed many minds. I, 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 you know, to, uh, as Harden said, uh, you know, they've lost the battle of public opinion. Uh, you know, those that feel that Deshaun Watson did what he's accused of, they feel that way. They're not changing their mind. There's nothing that they're going to hear that's going to uh, flip the opinion and vice versa. Those that feel that Deshaun Watson did nothing wrong and is innocent of these allegations, they too, uh, I don't believe, have changed their mind, either based on what the lawyers are saying or based off of that HBO piece. All
2: right, I want We're going to hear from both those lawyers as they talk to the afternoon drive. Uh, and we have some cuts from that. I, I just I want to get into the piece itself on HBO. Look, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what happened, but I do know the way you put together a story for television. <clears throat> and there were three things that really bothered me about the piece on HBO. Uh, the first part of it was, as I was listening to the accusers, I wanted to hear what they had to say. And HBO did... Uh, like an entertainment type thing to ramp up and try to hit home what was being said by using these cuts from I think it was Houston stations or Cleveland. It was mostly Houston stations saying 22 accusers, another accuser today, another accuser today. I understand what they were doing, but when you do that, that's like, I wanted to hear from the accusers and they were like doubling down on the opinion of what you were getting from the piece for entertainment purposes. And I say that as a journalist. So, like, I, I wanted to hear what the with, what the accusers had to say. I've never seen them speak on camera. And yet HBO felt the need, and it- it's, it's, it's an editing thing. Like, I don't know if it's Soledad. I don't know if it's, if it's the producers. But they tried to spice it up a little bit Hollywood-like. And I, I wasn't a fan of that. I wanted facts. I wanted to hear... What's being presented, and I wanted to see the person that was actually doing that. So I wasn't a big fan of them spicing it up with th- throwing in local news stations saying, 22 accusers, another accuser today. Okay, I-, I get that, and I thought that started to ramp up the story. The two other problems I had with the story was the way they presented the fact that the Browns didn't talk to the accusers. We all, anyone that's followed the story or watched the story knows that. The Browns said they were advised by their legal team to not get involved. And at this point, it was still a criminal investigation because we still hadn't heard from the grand juries on this, to not talk to the accusers. And not only do I respect that from the Browns' point of view, I respect that from the accusers' point of view. Because, you know, these plaintiffs are trying to make a case. Their job is to talk to lawyers, talk to the court, talk about deposition. And, uh, you know, who Deshaun Watson's employer is at that point um, is irrelevant. And so I, I didn't like the way HBO presented that, the way that they kind of ramped it up and said, well, did the Browns talk to you? Did the Browns talk to you? Even though they knew prior to the fact the Browns had admitted right out of the gate, it wasn't legally, it was not a very good idea for the Browns to go in and talk to the accusers when deciding whether they wanted to bring Watson in or not. and. I don't like the way HBO presented that. The last point, and I know we've got more to talk about on this, and I do want to hear from the attorneys, is the way they ended the piece. And when Soledad O'Brien said, because remember they said at the end of the piece that they brought Leah Graham in after they had talked to Deshaun's attorneys, which is uh, you know Rusty Harden, and said, hey, do you want to be a part of this piece? Do you want to be? And they said no, and at the last minute they decided they want to get in. I get that. I understand that. But for some reason they slopped together that back end of it and, they, and you can clearly see it's an edit. And they were like, hey, when he, when she was talking to Leah Graham, she said, we're out of time. You're freaking HBO. You're never out of time. If you want a show to go an hour and 22 minutes, it can go an hour and 22 minutes. If you want an interview to go uh, for forever, you can do that. Like, I, it really, like, it bothered me. And I might be the only person in America that watched that piece and was bothered by the fact that they said, we're out of time. You're HBO. You're not out of time. You have six channels. And the way it looked like that... Now, the only reason... There are two reasons why she truly could have been out of time. One, they had to edit it and get in the piece so it would make air. I'm just not buying that. And two, um, it's because they were buying satellite time to do the interview. And the way the interview is, I don't think they did it on satellite. I thought they did it on Zoom. Um, Daryl, I'm going to get your reaction to some of the things I said. We're going to hear from some of the attorneys. I want to get into... Um, OTAs, too, because what we had – I mean, there's actual football news to get along with, too. So we're going to come back. We'll regroup. We'll talk more about what's going on with Deshaun Watson. And eventually, you know, what is this going to mean? Is this going to mean that he's going to miss games, not going to miss games? We're still kind of in limbo trying to figure out the future, not only the 22 cases – But, you know, what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson? So all of this is coming up on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. He's Darrell Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Thanks for being along with us. Again, we always remind you, if you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed, wherever podcasts are available to you. And uh, we appreciate you, and we want to hear from you as well at Game Day Cleveland. All right, Daryl, so I kind of went on a rant in the last segment just about the production value of what we were watching and the ability to tell a story. I Just your your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, I, I look – Your job as the interviewer is not to be the star of the piece. And I felt like uh, O'Brien ended up being the star of the piece instead of allowing those accusers to tell their story. And it just it felt to me like she was trying to prompt the accusers to say certain things. And that that's just not how it's done. Um, I, I, Again, I, I respect the difficulty of the subject matter. Uh, I respect the accusers for their willingness to sit down, to be on camera, to talk about an experience that obviously uh, was traumatizing for them. But when we're just talking from a journalistic perspective here. I just I don't think it was presented very well, and I 100% agree with you. They spent entire. Everyone knows what's going on with Deshaun Watson. You don't need to spend the first five minutes of the piece rehashing everything that's been in the news for the last year concerning Deshaun Watson. Get to the accusers. That's why we're all tuning in to hear what they have to say. Um, And and so I absolutely agree uh, with uh, your. Observations there, Um, and you know, uh, I, I I think that as I said earlier, it did nothing to sway the court of public opinion either way. And I already knew going in, and I understand why they they do it. They put out some quotes because they want us to talk and write about it. The problem for HBO there was they released is we call call them in the business the money quotes, uh, the headline quotes. And they released all those. So when I watched that piece uh, earlier this week, there was no new information that came out. I already knew everything, and I think that that took away and did a disservice to uh, the message that the accusers wanted to convey uh, in those interviews. So, yeah, it, it I, I I just I felt like it was an, a journalistic opportunity that was not uh, maximized. And again, I understand how callous that sounds uh, when we're having a conversation about what we're having a conversation about here. Um, but that's we're, we're talking from just a journalistic perspective, picking this thing apart. Uh, We had both lawyers on the station this week, uh, both Harden and Busby. Uh, Both of them advocated uh, for uh, their clients, Uh, in this case, Rusty Harden for Deshaun Watson. Uh, I I thought he did a great job answering a a lot of really difficult questions that I think a lot of us have uh, about this situation. And, and of course, uh, Tony Busby, on behalf of these 22 women, who uh, you know have accused Deshaun Watson of some pretty gross behavior?
2: All right, so let's hear from some of the stuff that was on during the week. And here's Tony Busby, and you know again, Busby is the uh, the lawyer for the 22 uh, plaintiffs in this trying to go after um, Deshaun Watson, and and I don't know, if was to go they they go after. I don't know if that's the right thing. They they are accusing Deshaun Watson of. Uh, you know, sexual misconduct and trying to settle this in civil court and not in criminal court. So I just I want to make sure I'm saying that correctly. Uh, but here's Tony Busby. He was on the afternoon show. And, I, like, the one of the big questions I've had is how did this not go criminal? How did this not become a criminal case? And so the, the question becomes how did two grand juries not indict or no bill um, Deshaun Watson? The old adage is you can indict a ham sandwich.
1: But the opposite is true as well. If the if the DA doesn't want an indictment, he or she will absolutely do what it takes to get that veil of protection. So nobody comes at the DA and says, you didn't investigate, you didn't charge this case when you should have. So I would re- suggest to you that the DA did not want an indictment.
2: Uh, Tony, Busby. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, And I'll be honest, I asked another attorney about that, and this other attorney was a local attorney. Said, and this is uh, this was a prosecutor that told me and said essentially the same thing Tony Busby said there, that if a DA thinks they don't have enough evidence to convict, it's a hard struggle for them when they go to the grand jury and say, uh, we need to indict this person. What would you think of what Tony said?
0: Well, the yeah, from a prosecutorial standpoint, they do not they do not want to go to court uh, without. The ability to get a conviction, and if they don't have that ability, if if they their evidence is not strong enough, the last thing they want is to take Deshaun Watson to court in a criminal matter, and Watson be acquitted. Um, that th- their job as prosecutors is to plead their case in front of the jury and present evidence that will result in a conviction. That is their job. The defense, obviously, their job is to uh, advocate. Uh, the innocence uh, of their client and get an acquittal. So, yeah, it it totally makes sense that if there wasn't enough evidence, and let's be honest about it, Andy, when you're talking about sexual misconduct, sexual assault, alleged sexual misconduct and assault, um, this this isn't just the Deshaun Watson thing. This is prevalent in these cases uh, in general. Um, You know, it's... It's very uh, difficult at times to get convictions in these cases because of a lack of evidence. And part of the reason there is a lack of evidence, unfortunately, is because women who are traumatized uh, by these crimes, um, they don't report them right away or they don't report them at all for a variety of reasons. And uh, that. Uh, inability uh, to have that evidence and uh, ends up in a lot of cases not being prosecuted or it results in acquittals. And uh, so in this case, because in you know the, 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 either the prosecutor's view and uh, obviously the grand jury, there there just was not enough there to charge Watson criminally. And so the other avenue for these women, is to sue uh, Deshaun Watson for damages, uh, um, you know, uh, emotional distress uh, and, and things along those lines. So that, you know, that's where we are in this situation is that just the the reason he wasn't prosecuted is well, the prosecutors didn't have enough evidence to win a conviction. And oftentimes when that happens, Prosecutors do not want to go into a courtroom with a case that they don't absolutely feel like they can win.
2: Yeah, it's. I think it's one of the golden rules of being an attorney: you always have to know what the answer is before you ask the question. Correct. And when you look at a situation like this, it's like if they know what the answer is going to be, after they ask a grand jury the question, you know, if if you know you, especially as an attorney, you you, you better know the answer before. Um, The other thing, too, and I I think you bring up a great point, is that, and I said this in our last podcast, and it's not only women, it's men, too, who are abused, Uh, and men are way less likely to report to the police when there's um, abuse or sexual abuse going on, that they won't do it, you know, and so I think that, you know, I always, I look at these cases, and like, I was listening to the, to the plaintiffs in the case, and I, I, like, I I was shocked, especially at one of the things that was – I've read it before, but it was the first time I'd actually seen someone say it, and I'm just – I'm shocked because I I don't always live in the case that we're talking about. I'm talking about – I always think about other people out there who may be abused, male or female, and how this affects them and if this sometimes could empower them but sometimes could also make them not want to say another word because they don't want to go through – they don't want to go through the scrutiny or the media or opening up their lives, and so it's just I. I always look at the bigger picture on these stories, whether it's right. Deshaun Watson or anybody else. So because um, often
0: what happens is the victims are put on trial. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean that that is that it, it is a defense tactic, um, and it, and a, a lot of uh, victims just don't want to go through that uh, again. Now the question becomes. You know, can they settle this in civil court? Certainly, I'm sure the Browns would like Watson to settle this thing. Uh, I think that uh, the NFL absolutely wants this thing settled because they don't want this to continue to be in the headlines here perpetually over the next 12 months, and that is also something that Busby addressed on Afternoon Drive on the Fan.
1: First off, the release they gave us with uh, with all of the – NDAs, non-disclosures. it was just not going to happen. I spent some time modifying that. And even after doing that, there were, I want to say four women who just said, I'm never going to sign it. I'm never going to settle period. So at first they said, to make this trade, we need to settle all 22. And then they said, well, maybe it'd be okay if it was 20. And then finally they said 18. And then I guess the deadline came and went, and that was the end of that. And since then, I am more focused on, the judge is pretty strict about her deadline, trying to get all the discovery, the work done, deposition as such by July. So that's what I've been focused on. And, you know, there hadn't been any talks that I'm aware of since. Nobody's mentioned it to me, and I'm certainly not going to raise it. So like I think, you know, yeah. you know,
0: so I think right now we're at a point where that part just has to play itself out. Whatever happens in civil court has to play it out. It, it, it doesn't do uh, anyone any good to, to to speculate or offer opinions or conjecture uh, about the civil cases. To me now it's about is Deshaun Watson going to be available week one? Like that. that's that's the number one question. I say no. I I think that Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended. The NFL has a lot of latitude here Uh, when it comes to the personal conduct policy. I think it's going to be very easy for the NFL to say to Deshaun, you've made us look really, really bad with these civil suits, so we are suspending you for that. Not so much for what you're accused of or what we in our investigation uncovered and think that you are guilty of, but you've given the league a black eye. And that's why we're going to suspend you. I think that that ultimately, when this uh, comes down, uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell said they're close to the end of the investigative portion of this thing, that that's winding down. Uh, So hopefully in the coming weeks here, certainly before training camp, I I think we'll have some sort of a resolution. But yeah, I, I think that Deshaun Watson at this point probably is going to be suspended more for the negative headlines rather than what he's been accused of.
2: So here's my question because this is where the new step comes in, right? This is Sue Robinson, the federal judge. So now let's just say – let's say they settled today, okay? Or not settled. The league decides that they've decided – and I'm just throwing out random games because just like you said, eight games. Say they say eight games. Then what happens is Deshaun's group appeals or the NFLPA appeals on Deshaun's behalf – and now you enter into the new CBA. What happens there? Is the suspension frozen? Is it uh, like I don't understand what happens at that point. Well, here's um, what's
0: going to happen. First of all, I don't think that there will be an announcement of any kind until the process is completed, because that's that's typically how this works. Okay, so
2: the, the NFL's process.
0: Yes. So okay, not the legal
2: process. The NFL's process.
0: Correct. Okay, okay. because that's what we're talking about here. So right. what what happened is is they will uh once the investigation is complete Sue Robinson will look at everything and decide whether or not he sh- he violated the conduct policy and if that the answer to that is yes then she'll recommend the discipline if the answer to that is no then we're done that's it there's no appeal right. either, you know the NFL can't appeal that okay so then Deshaun which he probably will because that's his right under terms of the CBA he'll appeal whatever discipline's handed down once the appeal is completed, then I believe we'll get the announcement Deshaun Watson has been suspended by the league for X amount of games for violating the league's personal conduct policy, and we're done. We're not, I don't believe we'll get an announcement that he's been suspended before the appeal process has been completed. And one of the big reasons why the league does that is to. Uh, you know, n- not tarnish the player, so to speak, because if the player wins the appeal, then the fact that he's suspended probably you know shouldn't be out there. You know what I'm saying? So well, well, no, I-, I don't I mean, anticipate look, I- we're going to get any type of an announcement from the league until Deshaun Watson's appeal gets heard.
2: Uh, I I respectfully try to I I don't know if that's what's best for the NFL. I, I like if you're the NFL, you want. <sighs> If you're the NFL, I think you need to announce that he's suspended and that it's under appeal. And that then they have the uh, and they people have are going to a second find out.
0: announcement that you reduced it.
2: <laughs> well, well, it's not the league that would reduce it. It's and by the way, they're not going to reduce it. So uh, like it, it, Sue Robinson can only um and uh, she can there's really only one thing she can do. She can say no, you shouldn't be suspended. It doesn't really matter what she says on the recommendation on the back end based on all the stuff that I've read on this, that if she says he gets suspended for two games and the league has already said six going into it, it's going to stay six. They're not going to change their mind. And that's because the NFL has the right. Roger Goodell has the right to do that. Um, And I almost think like the NFL is in a weird situation here because uh, let's just say uh, Sue Robinson says no suspension. Well, then the NFL can put their arms up and go, you know what, we wanted to give him eight games. We wanted to give him an entire season, but because of the collective bargaining agreement and his right to appeal, we had a federal judge who's supposed to be impartial to both sides say, no, the NFL, we did our job. We came out, we recommended what we thought was the deal, and so this is where we are here. The, the other part of it is, is if Sue Robinson comes out and says, yes, you tarnish the shield and uh, you're in violation, I think it's four games and the league has already said eight, the league's going to be like, no, we said eight, it's going to be eight, and that's it. It's over from that standpoint. So I I think there's some optics for the league here to say, you know, you go back to that one soundbite they did play in the piece where Roger said, we're not going to stand for domestic violence, and Roger can go, we even went further than what the federal arbiter said. We gave him more games. So I do think that they need to say what the suspension is first. Go to uh, arbitration and then come out with another verdict on this. And then you better hope that there's no new information and no indictments along the way. I do also think that it's better off that Deshaun Watson is – uh, what was the line? Deshaun Watson, if he does try to settle, and what we heard here is that there are four that do not want to settle, but if he does try to settle this case, to settle after the league makes their determination on what the punishment is. Uh, quickly, agree or disagree on that.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that uh, would be reasonable. That And that seems to be the focus of everyone right now, to to get through the discovery phase of everything uh, and meet the judge's deadline for that. And then the, the other part of the focus is waiting for the NFL to complete their investigation. Do they need to talk to Deshaun again? Uh, uh, Rusty Harden uh, told us this week the NFL met with Watson for three days. Uh, Harden also met. Uh, with NFL investigators and uh, so it, it becomes a wait and see now uh, and again the commissioner this week at the owners meetings in Atlanta did say they are nearing the end of the investigative phase and then it goes uh, you know it goes into the review and hand down the discipline portion of things assuming there is discipline and then of course the appeals process that Watson's um, entitled to.
2: Okay, a lot to the digest there. I, I want to come back. I want to talk about the football impact of Deshaun Watson. So we're going to talk about that, what the players are saying about him, how camp looks, what what's the feel in Berea with him being there. So we're going to hear about that when we return. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Thanks for listening. And, again, if you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. Like us. Give us, like, a 1,000 stars, whatever you want to do. We appreciate all the feedback. And you can also hit us back up at gamedaycle. Um, Daryl, let's just – I, I want to talk about Deshaun Watson, the player, right now, because we haven't spent a lot of time on that. Um, and his impact, because you were out there in Berea, his impact on the team – All I keep hearing is the players love him, they're glad he's there, and it changes part of the dynamic of what we've seen as an offense. Is that true, what I've heard?
0: Yeah, most popular guy in the locker room. (laughs) And, uh, look, I mean, when you talk to anyone, uh, player or coach, about Deshaun Watson, there's not a bad word to be heard about him as a player, as a person. uh, He is beloved and very well respected, and that was very apparent. Now, Deshaun Watson, similar to Odell Beckham Jr., is very, very generous uh, with his teammates. Um, He interrupted uh, Anthony Walker's uh, press availability to give him a gift. The gift ended up being a a very nice uh, Rolex watch as a thank you, presumably because um, Walker gave up his number four to give it to Watson. Walker will wear number five uh, this year, but... You know, just watching Watson's body language on the practice field. I'm not even just talking about his talent, just watching him interact with people. He's got very good people skills uh, when he's on the field. he You know, hugging teammates, dapping them up, talking to them, laughing with them, uh, you know, making you guys feel really, really good uh, about uh, what they're doing. Uh, out there on the field and then of course there's his his talent but yeah I mean considering that everything that is swirling around him in his personal life uh, which we have been discussing uh, he's done a tremendous job separating that from uh, the football aspect and I thought Greg Newsom made a very good point uh, about that uh, this week when he basically said hey Deshaun's job here is to play football, uh, not to tell us about his personal matters. He you know, leaves those outside, handles those with his family, but when he's in this building, he's about the work. And that was uh, pretty much the message from everyone that we talked to this week, that uh, the, whatever's going on in Deshaun's personal life is his business, it's, it's not our place to grill him about it or to talk to him about it. Uh, he's here to play football. We're here to play football, and that's what Deshaun's doing, and he's doing it very, very well. So, um, yeah, he is. it is very, very clear how, how he has already ingratiated himself with his new uh, Browns teammates. How about with uh, Kevin
2: Stefanski and how this offense might look? Uh, with him I, again I have like my my foot's on the gas and the brake at the same time wondering you know about his his ability to get on the field and and when we'll actually see him during the season but if you're Kevin Stefanski your thoughts are what on Deshaun Watson and I know we heard from Kevin uh, earlier in the week too
0: well you know uh, he's proceeding as if Deshaun's going to start week one uh, we'll see if that ultimately happens but um you can see some different things and different wrinkles that he's got in there with Deshaun. I don't want to give too much away just out of respect for the the competitive aspect of, of this thing, but um it's plain as day Deshaun Watson's talent and and the different wrinkles he's going to be able to bring this offense and it really does look to me as if Kevin Stefanski is trying to accentuate those uh, talents which is what good uh, head coaches and coordinators do Um, you know the subject of rust came up because of course Watson did not play in 2021 Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now I don't think that there's any rust (laughs) I don't think that's gonna be a problem Deshaun did not now it's they're in again we got to temper the enthusiasm. The Browns always win the Super Bowl during OTAs in the minicamp. I understand that. Uh, but I'm just telling you what I see with my own eyes. And um, it's it just the talent jumps, off, jumps out at you immediately. Uh, not a flutter in the football coming out of Deshaun Watson's hands. I mean, you are talking tight spirals, whether it's just a short crossing route or he's launching it 50 yards down the field. There is no shotgun needed to put that duck out of its misery when Deshaun Watson throws a football. I mean it is it is it is just a beautiful sight to behold to watch the ball uh, come out of his hands the way uh, it does and it's on target even when they're running the half speed stuff like timing and half speed drills is extremely hard because they're going half speed. Right. And I was just I you know I did not – let's put it this way. I can't tell you how many times I've I've seen Browns receivers have to slam on the brakes on routes to wait for footballs over the years, right? Right. I didn't see that with Deshaun Watson this week. I mean, re- receivers were catching footballs in stride, which is kind of how the way it's supposed to be. They were catching it off the back shoulder or off the front shoulder and just the, the, the accuracy, the pinpoint accuracy was uh, – again – they're in shorts and shirts. They're not in pads. There's no contact. There's no fear of him getting laid out by uh, a defensive end or a linebacker. I understand all that, all, all of those things. But um, you know, it was a very positive first impression from a football standpoint that Deshaun Watson has made, and clearly he's made uh, an incredible impression and impact uh, amongst his teammates. All right, just
2: even watching at half speed with really, you know, no contact, it just do they need to get him help at wide receiver? That Do they need to upgrade? Like, I don't even – what did Amari Cooper look like this week? And then I know there were also some veterans that weren't there. But when you watch this wide receiving court, yeah, I mean, you talked about it and it didn't seem to matter whose name was on the back of the jersey.
0: Well, it's one of the questions that I ended up asking Kevin Stefanski is, you know, does this say more about Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz that you know the team has not gone out and brought in uh, a, a veteran receiver, right? And right. Stefanski said, "Well, I don't know what it says, but you know, from our standpoint, we're very comfortable with the guys that we have, uh, and, and these young guys that they can go out there and do the job. So, and and I've maintained that all along that." You, you look at what Andrew Berry has done at that position, hell, they, they're going to give these reps to these guys because I think that organizationally, quite frankly, they have to find out if Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz can do it. Um, David Bell, I think, is going to have the opportunity to have some impact. We saw a lot of him in practice, too. So, um, no, I, I don't think that uh, I, I, I don't think that they need at this point to bring in a player for the sake of just bringing in a player because they really have to evaluate what they have. Daryl,
2: it's been fun. Uh, it's never-ending story of drama when it comes to the Cleveland Browns, and we'll talk more about it next week. I uh, want to wish everybody a happy Memorial Day. I hope you get to take time to spend time with your family and uh, you know maybe enjoy some halfway decent weather this weekend, although I do think – Uh, we're looking at rain. But uh, Daryl, happy Memorial Day to you. uh, And I also want to say that uh, as well to Meredith. And so Meredith, we'll drop a little bit later next week, correct?
0: Yeah, we might have a slight schedule change next week because of the holiday, but we will still release two episodes as we do every week.
2: Well, that sounds good. Meredith, thank you very much. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, Daryl. And we appreciate everybody listening. For Meredith Kane, for Daryl Ryder, I'm Andy Baskin. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're hearing, make sure you go to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We love being with you, and we love your feedback as well. If you want to be a part of a mailbag somewhere down the road, at Day CLE. Thanks for listening again. We appreciate you. It's always game day in Cleveland.